Well, I promised you a new series for the fall, and uh, we have one. I've been working on it. It's called Promises for the Pandemic, and uh, obviously this is a sermon series that uh, preaches best during a pandemic, and uh, this pandemic will not last forever. Who knows? It may not even uh, last the end of the year or well into it. We'll see, but Promises for the Pandemic, we're going to go over just some real promises on some deep, deep issues. Part of this sermon series came about like this. I have been fielding a lot of emails, phone calls, text messages. Uh, the pastoral care load over the last six months has been, uh, you know, unusually high. And I, I don't mind that. I like that. I like being able to get a pulse of where everybody's at. And where everybody is at is definitely dealing with some specific things. Things that God has promises in the Bible throughout the Bible that we are going to deal with uh, in this series. And so uh, we're going to go that route. Uh, issues such as fear and, and guilt and, and some of these other things. We're going to be able to do some good teachings on them. And my hope is that God's answer for each of these big deep things will be not only an encouragement to you. But something you will share with somebody else. Because it's time that we don't just sit back and get fed, but we begin to become feeders of others when it comes to the Word of God, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the Word of God. Well, how are they going to hear it if we aren't the voice to our neighbors, co-workers, friends, in our little world we live in? We are God's voice in that world. So let's be that voice, and I hope these Sundays will encourage you and give you some good knowledge and ammunition and good scriptures to be able to share uh, God during this pandemic. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we start this new series and open up the Bible, I pray that uh, for everybody watching and for those listening, Lord, that there would be at least just one thing, one thing that your spirit would burn into our hearts that we were supposed to hear. Maybe two or three things. That would be even better. But Lord, just one thing, in Jesus' name, amen. There's a man who had come into a counseling appointment to talk about some anger issues in his marriage. Anger, being a symptom of fear, going to that another time, caused the counselor to chat about his fears. You know, let's talk about your fears for a moment. And so he handed him a sheet with a bunch of different things that, you know, would normally cause fright or or normally, normally cause fear, you know, things like, uh, you know, and, and of course you had to rate it on a scale, I think of like one to ten. You know, how afraid are you of, and then one of them was like, you know, being eaten by a shark, thank you to the movie Jaws. Uh, one was being chased by a lion. One was falling from a tall building, how uh, afraid of heights are you. Another was, you know, uh, being stabbed with a knife and things like that. And, and of course the man was quite proud to rank all of these very low and kind of show off a little bit of his machismo spirit but then very quickly just kind of off the cuff uh the counselor said oh, oh wait a minute did you remember to call your wife and the man just went pale no no i did i didn't know i don't know i was supposed to call her and he's he's trying trying to trying to find his phone and he's you know and the counselor just kind of smiled because it was a setup the whole time but the counselor had kind of made his point. Part of the reason he was angry at his wife was because he had fears toward her in his relationship with her, maybe a fear of her leaving, a fear of 
her control or his control, uh, a fear that he could not fully give his heart to her or maybe that he needed to hold back. Just, just fear in the relationship. It was beginning to exhibit in anger. Nevertheless, the fear was there. There's a difference between fear and frightening thoughts. Frightening thoughts about falling off a bridge or getting eaten by a shark or being chased by a lion. They're, they're just that. They're frightening thoughts. We all have them. Uh, I was walking around in the ocean a week or two ago. We took a trip to the beach. And, you know, I, I'm not afraid. I'm going to walk. But for a moment, I thought, this water is so murky, I can't see my own feet. Man, there could be a baby bull shark about to nibble on my ankles, and I wouldn't even know about it. Just, it was just a frightening thought. Ah, whatever, you know, I'm going to go for it anyway. It, we all have those. Those are normal. In fact, to some degree, those are probably even good because we do need to show wisdom and need to understand that there are dangers and consequences on the earth that we should avoid, right? If the sign says, don't go any further, there's a cliff, then don't go any further because you don't want to fall off the cliff. But there's a difference between frightening thoughts being frightened of those kinds of things, but living in fear of them. There's a difference between frightening thoughts and living in fear of them. Fear is spiritual. Fear is a statement we make about God, that God is not able, that God is not big enough, that God did not see this coming, and that maybe God does not have an answer for this problem. See what I'm saying? Frightened of things, of course. Fear is spiritual. It's another thing altogether. In fact, the Bible calls it a spirit of fear. Remember, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Frightening thoughts, now, track with me here. Frightening thoughts can turn into fears. They can turn into phobias. Frightening thoughts can do that to you. And they began to slip into fear when they began to keep you up at night. When they began to cause you to doubt God. When they began to make you feel like you need to be more self-sufficient. When it's the first thing you think about in the morning. When you find it, you find yourself bringing it up in the conversations during the day. Do you find yourself talking about how much money you make or don't make? Do you find yourself constantly talking about your health or your sicknesses? Do you find yourself sort of constantly bringing up a bad relationship with your mother-in-law or with your daughter or with your son? You know, we constantly kind of bring these up because we're hoping that some person may be able to alleviate that fear. So we stick in all these little hints. But they never seem to go away. Also, long dormant fears. You can have something that happened you haven't thought about it in 20 years, and all of a sudden that person's name comes up, or that movie comes up, or that song comes on the radio, and you just get paralyzed by fear, and it paralyzes your forward progress in life. Remember what God said? I, God said, you know, I will be faithful to complete in you over, the, over your life. There's a forward progress that God has for us. Fear just seems to throw it in park. And we can stay in emotional park for a long, long time. Fear will often come in the form of questions like these. If today was so out of control, 
how can I trust tomorrow? With so many divorces in this day and age, how do I know we're going to make it for the long haul? Will my health hold up? Or will I end up in the hospital? And what about my children? What will happen to them when I'm gone? What if I lose a lot of money and I have a little in my, just little in my wallet? What if I end up out on the street? These are thoughts that can paralyze us. And fear often asks us those questions and then tempts us to answer them without God. The media often seems to reinforce these fears. Headlines like global markets in sustained downturn. Well, I mean, global markets are great and we, and we need them and I understand how they function and work, but I don't place my trust in global markets. We place our trust in God, our provider. Uh, domestic abuse doubling every month. This is sad but true. If the pandemic has shown us anything, it's, you know, you keep people quarantined and cabin fever together and we start scratching at each other. How about this one? The price of food is up 17%. Uh, they say that technically we're not in a period of inflation, but who cares if we're in inflation? If food goes up 17%, that's 17% less you have to live on because you have to make up for that cost just in our basic foods. I love this one. Shoppers throw punches over toilet paper. I still love this one. If there's one funny thing to come out of this, it's watching people fight over toilet paper. Come on. So what is the answer to fear? Well, a lot of people would look at what, the, what you would call the Bible sort of hallmark verse that deals with fear. And that's out of 1 John 4.18. It reads like this. John says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out, throws it out, all fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Now, first of all, this is a great verse. And in many ways, it is the answer to fear when you properly understand it. But second, it has been sorely misunderstood. A lot of people take this verse to mean that if I just love perfectly everyone on earth, then fear won't be a problem in my life. Others will say, you know, if I just pursue love, fear will subside. Other people have said, you know, if I'm just nicer to people, then I can live less afraid. Or if I just perfect my love. I love, but I know my love isn't all that good. So if I just perfect my love, then the fears of my life will be driven out, right? Well, the problem with these views is that driving out fear in that sense is all about you. And all about what you do. And it's all up to you. If you can just love better and you just figure out how to do it, then you'll fear less. And while there may be some truth to that, that is not the point of this verse. The second half really explains the first and really gives us the point of the verse. The second half says, whoever fears has not been perfected by love. We fear less when we have been perfected by love. Who has perfect love? Who has the perfect love that drives out all fears? 
God does. How does God's perfect love drive out the fear? He promises to be with us, especially during the hard and painful times. So who has the perfect love? God does. Who does the perfecting of that love in our hearts? God does. And who is with us every step of the way? God is. That is, and I hate to make this so easy, but if you're struggling with fear, if fear is an issue, if you have fears you wish you would just go away, if you have anxieties, phobias, all these things that can paralyze you, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Step one, answer one, the answer, for the first answer and the first step, and really the only, of getting over all of those is this. Recognize that the presence of God is there in all of them. That God is with you in all of them. Some of you may say, I'm afraid of heights. You know, the Bible actually addresses fear of heights. It says if you're up on a high mountain and the devil tries to push you off it, <laughs> that the angels will literally catch you and take you down so that you don't have to be afraid. And then that verse Yes, it's got a lot of imagery, but what is the verse trying to say? When God is with you, you do not have to live in fear. You do not have to give in fear. Doesn't mean you won't have frightening thoughts. Doesn't mean there won't be moments that seem scary. But those are moments. Those are Mondays. They're not seasons. And so the first promise for the pandemic is this. God's answer to fear is to be with us through the trials. Let me fire off a couple, couple of verses at you. It should be on the screen as well. In Deuteronomy 31.6, Moses is he's, he's preaching to the people of Israel. And he says this, be strong and courageous. Remember, they had to go and take the promised land. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. The basis for not being afraid for Moses was that God was with him. Remember when God said to Moses, Moses, you are going to lead them into the promised land and I want you to get going. Do you remember what Moses' response was? He said, God, I love you. I respect you. You're amazing. I am not going to take one step unless you go with me. Smartest answer in the world right there. God, uh, here's my future. I'm not going to take one step unless that's the future you're leading me toward. God, here's these things. I'm not going to take one inch forward unless you're leading me and you're going with me there. That's what Moses was getting at. In Joshua 1.9, we'll get to this in a moment, the Lord says to Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In Isaiah 41, chapter 41, verse 10, God says to Isaiah, fear not, for I am with you. See, picking up a theme here. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, some of you may say, man, I have times where it just seems like the enemy wins. Yes, the enemy may win in the moment. I had this the other day. The enemy may win in the moment, but he doesn't take the day. 
You say, you know what? The enemy won in that moment because I got stupid, but I'm going to walk away from that. I'm getting back on track because this is where God is leading me. And when I get back on that track, you see the fear begin to subside. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, Jesus says, Behold, I am with you always. For us Christians who may not be able to relate to the God of the Old Testament in the, in the pillar of fire or, the, or the, at night or the pillar of smoke by day, we can relate to Jesus. Jesus is with us every moment of the day. And then our, really our scripture for this morning, I want you to really hear that this is our scripture for the morning, comes out of Hebrews 13 chapter 13 verses 5 and 6 the writer of hebrews says keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have for god has said i will never leave you nor forsake you so we can confidently say that the lord is my helper i will not fear what can man do to me now why would God go to such great lengths to remind us of something that seems so obvious? Yes, God is everywhere. Of course, we know God is here, right? Let me tell you. When you are afraid, God seems a million miles away. Every feeling that is talking to your brain. God feels a million miles away and powerless to do anything about your circumstance. That's what it feels like. So God goes to great lengths to reinforce this in the Bible because he knew that's what it feels like when you're going through a fear or a trial that is scaring you. And God knew that we would doubt this promise, so he repeats it all throughout the Bible. Let me give you just kind of two expanded illustrations. The first one comes from a man known as Jacob. Jacob, you find Jacob in the book of Genesis. He is one of the patriarchs of the Jewish faith and, and, one of our, and the Christian faith as well. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he's Abraham's grandson. And Jacob started out really, really bad. He was a liar. He was a deceiver. And, 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 and he lived in fear. He was kind of a timid man, it seems like, in his younger years. Uh, he wasn't the hunter. He wasn't the, you know, he was just a little bit of a mama's boy, really. If you read the Bible, you kind of see some of that. And one day he cheats his brother out of his birthright, which was a financial cheat, a, a cheat of disrespect. I mean, this was a bad cheat. This is, a, this is the way you break up a family right here. And now his brother is so mad because his brother is the hunter. So his brother is trying to kill him. I don't know about you, but that would keep me up at night. As Jacob was gazing into the twilight, as he's fleeing and running from his life from his brother, he's looking up into the twilight Noticing all the stars, God begins to speak to him supernaturally. And he says, Jacob, I am with you. And I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done 
what I have promised you. Of course, God never actually left Jacob. Now, think about this. Jacob is a liar. Jacob did the deed. No, no, I'm not trying to tell you a story of a man who was framed or of a man who was a good guy that just had a bad moment. No, 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 no. Jacob did do the crime. I can understand why Esau was mad and wanted to kill him. Jacob essentially said, we're making you dead and I'm the firstborn now. I mean, this is a bad dude at this point. He lied. You know what the encouragement of this story is? God was with Jacob even in his mistakes. Some of you may say, yeah, 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 God, I know Tom. God is with it. God is with all of us, but I have got so much sin in my life. God is surely not with me. No, let me tell you. What this story is trying to tell you is God is with you. God does not leave you just because you sinned, just because you blew it, just because you got a habit you can't seem to overcome, just because you're an addiction that has kept you in chains. God is still with you. He is still the reason you do not need to live in fear. God is essentially saying to Jacob, you know, Jacob, you messed up. Won't be the first time, won't be the last. You messed up, but don't be afraid. I am with you. Man, the great power of God is that he can accomplish his purposes in our lives even when we still struggle with sin. God can do that. He says, Jacob, I can fix this. You won't end in defeat. I'll be with you. Now, when Jacob awoke from his dream, you know what he said? He, he, he was dreaming as this happened, so God spoke to him in a dream. And he, when he woke up, this is what he says. He says, surely the Lord was in this place and I did not know it. <laughs> How typical. How typical of us human beings. We are so convinced that God has forgotten us. And then all of a sudden we realize it was us who forgot God. That's what Jacob is saying. Jacob's like, I thought God had forgotten me. But you know what? Actually, it was me who forgot him. Surely he was in this place, and I did not know it. You know what God was saying to Jacob? From now on, every place you ever go to, know it. I am there. Second example I want to give is Joshua. Joshua lived under a powerful leader named Moses. And Moses made everybody feel safe. I mean, it's kind of hard to live in fear or have a spirit of fear or be afraid of anything when you got Moses around. I mean, Moses has the staff and the power of God, and he's working miracles. Plagues come down on Pharaoh, Moses. Red seas part. Food and water miraculously come from the sky, all because of God working through Moses. Armies are crushed because of God working through Moses as he raises that staff. You ever have somebody like that in your life? Whenever you're around them, you're just not as afraid. That was Moses for Joshua. Whenever Joshua was around Moses, he just wasn't as afraid of anything. As Moses was so powerful in the spirit and God was working so much through his life. But eventually, Moses dies. And now it's Joshua's turn. Moses has said, Joshua, I won't be leading 
the Israelites into the promised land, you will. And Joshua is a little afraid. That's a tall order to take a nation of a generation ago slaves and enter into the promised land. Take it. And so Joshua's thinking, now what? In Joshua 1, chapter 5, or Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, God says to Joshua, Joshua, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. So whoever that person, maybe it's a pastor, maybe it's a, one of a, the leaders here in our church, maybe it's a grandmother, a father, a mother, someone that you look up to and they're so spiritually strong and they're so full of the spirit and they're so confident that their strength makes you feel less afraid. I can tell you this right now. They won't last forever. Even if that person for you is me, I won't last forever. But just as God is with them, or just as God is with me, he will be with you. He's the same Lord overall. That's what he's trying to tell them. Whatever person has made you feel less afraid, as God was with them, so he will be with you. You don't have to be a licensed pastor to do amazing things for the Lord. Trust me, there are people who have never darkened the door of a Bible college, a seminary, or have a little piece of paper calling them a pastor that have done things that have blown my mind away in the spirit. Because as God was with me or with them, he is with all of us. So I want to just give three points real here, real quick here, and then we're going to pray and close and spend the week preparing for next week when we all get to gather again. But my first point is this. Do not live in fear about yesterday because God promises to stand with you no matter what. Jacob taught us this. Jacob had a whole life of sin that a lot of us would logically deduce, you know, I've got so much sin, I should be afraid. God is not with me. Why would God want to be with that? Trust me, there is no sin you can do that pushes God to the end of the universe. That's because it's so vile in his eyes. He's with you every step of the way, every moment of the way. And Jacob teaches us this. Jacob did terrible things in his past, and terrible things were done to him. You know, some of you, me included, it's not so much that we did such evil in the past, but evil was done to us. And when you've been abused or mistreated or molested or in, or, or in some way hurt deeply, it can leave you with a spirit of fear. Because you go back to the past and say, well, God wasn't with me then when all those horrible things were happening. Why should I trust that God is with me now? I'm not here before you to say that just because God is with you, there won't be terrible things that happen. They will. They have. And they will continue to until Jesus returns. Earth is a prescription for terrible things to happen to people. It is. And that God is with us in them may not seem like such comfort sometimes. I know it hasn't for me in the moments where I've really reflected on it. But then I think to myself, God was with me in the horrible trials. 
in the horrible abuse. God healed me of it, and I am no longer living in fear or the hang-ups of what happened. Yeah, that's how it works. Now take away God. God isn't in it. God isn't in any of it. And there's just no God until death day. You know what that is? It's a life of fear and a life of defeat. And God doesn't want that for you. Even if earth is against you, heaven is all for you. Number two, do not fear about today because God has you on his heart at this very moment. This is something I have to remind myself when I get into Tom's little pity party. Right now in this moment, put your hand on your heart and feel it beating. Right now, that, that, that tells you you're alive, <laughs> that you're in the present. Right now, God feels the beat of your heart and you are on his mind at this very moment. At this very moment, just like Jacob. Jacob didn't realize that God was thinking about him. It was only after he had the dream where God promised to be with him that Jacob woke up and said, you know what? God was here all the time and I didn't even know it. Know it. God is here with you right now. Wherever you are watching this from, God is with you. And then number three, do not fear about tomorrow. And Maybe this is the big one. Do not live in fear about tomorrow because God is already there God is already at your tomorrow God is already at the destinations of your future remember what he said to Joshua that's why I brought up Joshua he said I will go before you I will go before you You know what he's saying Joshua we're going to do some we're, we're going to do some conquering of the promised land and by the way every town you come to i'm already there i'm waiting for you to catch up i'm already there and when you walk in my will you are going to see only victory all the days of your life that's what god is saying to joshua you don't have to be afraid of the future because god is already there god is not behind our shoulder trying to catch up He's ahead of us, already working out what the future may bring. I can't tell you how many times, not every time, but a lot of times, where a tragedy has hit someone, and they go, you know, Pastor Tom, this is awful, this is horrible, but I can see where God was preparing me for this in advance. I don't like it, I wish it never happened, but I can see where God was doing some things and maneuvering some things where, yes, this happened, and yes, I'm going to have to go through it, but I can already see the silhouette of God's provision to climb out of it. Why? Because God was already there. When I was a youth pastor, <laughs> it's hard to think I was a youth pastor 10 years ago. But when youth sermons, you like to do stuff with your hands. For everybody who always says, why is Pastor Tom always with us? When you start out your ministry career as a, as a youth pastor, forever you're going to talk with your hands. Right? It's just, it's just, that's this. Because youth, they, they'll tend to like, you know, look around. Us. You, you got to do this because it kind of gets attention back. And I remember I saw a great example. Uh, 
I saw a great example once for Hebrews 13, the 13 scripture we saw. A youth pastor used his fingers. He said, everybody, raise your pinky finger. What does that look like? Raise your pinky finger. What does that look like? Kind of looks like an eye, right? Eye. See that? Eye. So say, I will never leave you. Whenever you're afraid, he would say, do this. Put your hand in front of your face, make a fist, and then go, I will never leave you. That's God's promise. It's God's promise for the pandemic. It's God's promise for life. Never will he leave us. Never will he forsake us. Whatever you are facing today, tomorrow, or the next day, or whatever has happened to you in the past, or whatever you've done in the past, God was there. God is with you now. You're on his heart right now. And he's already been to your future. Have frightening thoughts? Sure. We all have that. I don't want to fall off a mountain. I don't want to get run over by a car. Sure. That's smart. It's wise. Don't run out in the street. But living in fear? You don't have to do that. You have a God-given right to something better. Amen? Amen.